0: Well, good morning, church family. It's great to be with you. As you've heard, we're going to have an elder panel this morning, which means you're going to hear from multiple elders uh, today. We have pastor and elder Jeffrey. No, I full named you there. I didn't give you your middle name. You're welcome. Uh, and I, I'm not going to give a full bio because you guys know him. Uh, you hear him every single Sunday, speak and talk and say all kinds of things. And then we have our elder Ken Kenny, pastor most of. Most of you go to TMU, you know him as Ken. So fancy, right? Ken. <laughs> Kenneth, right? Yeah, but he's, he's Kenny to me, he's Kenny to us, uh, but he'll respond to either one. Uh, today, we're taking on a very important topic, especially given that we're starting summer right now. And for the next two weeks, we'll be doing a, a series that is two sides of the same coin, a theology of work and a theology of rest. Oh, you're so excited right now. You're like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for you guys to talk about this. This is wonderful. You're going to tell me everything I should do on vacation, everything I shouldn't, right? That's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. No, what we want to do is we want to take on those two sides of the same coin, especially as we go into the summer holiday or vacation time, so that we have a proper foundation, undergirding of the choices that we make. Whether you're making a choice to take a vacation, if this can encourage you, amen, if you're making a choice about work and vocation coming up, amen. If nothing is changing in your life, if everything is staying the same for the next however long many months, praise God, at least this can encourage you to think biblically about these things and encourage others that you talk with as well. So that's our goal over these next two weeks. Next week, you will hear from a different set of elders. So you have to, you have to come and see who's, who's up here then. Uh, I hear they're really good guys. I like them. They're fun. Yeah. Today we have our kids in the back. If you need to take care of your kids, amen, do it. Take care of your kids. If you guys are getting distracted, go stand in the back and and hang out and you can hear uh, what we're talking about. So we're gonna begin by discussing a biblical theology of work in the life of a believer. Riveting subject, but so practical, so practical. So here's how I wanna begin. Uh, We we wanna talk about and, and really discuss how, you guys have reformed thinking about work, how you've approached a theology of work. We want to discuss even weaknesses that you see among believers in their thinking about work. So with that, as, as you guys have, have interacted with young people, old people in our congregation and other congregations even over many years. I mean, many years of ministry, still many years of ministry, maybe not as many over here. Sorry, you're the old guy, resident old guy here. Uh, as you think about interacting with others, how, how have you seen, this is a hard one. Now you guys are going to be like, Adam's ah, swinging out of the gate. I am. How have you seen immaturity among believers? See, it got quiet right there. How have you seen immaturity among believers regarding a theology of work? Oh, good morning, Church. Good to see you guys
1: this morning. First of all, I, got, I want to say the, the best thing I've seen so far this morning was Grant doing the hand motions to the songs. Uh, That's fantastic. Oh, I well, want, I want to see that every Sunday as he leads. And, and Gabe, too. And Gabe, too. Please, that'd be good. Uh, While he's playing guitar. Before I jump into this, just a quick caveat. What, what we're going to be talking about this morning are some general principles about work but they apply across the board no matter what your situation is, whether you're a full-time mom or you're working part-time from home or you have demanding hours in an office somewhere. So we're going to speak generally, and each one of you are going to need to sort of apply that to your particular situation. Um, Let me say the most common immature attitude that I see with believers uh, today in their work, and this may surprise you, is viewing your work as nothing more than a means to an end. In other words, viewing your work as purposeless. Uh, coming to this place where you say, well, like, I have to have a job. I got to pull a paycheck. I, I need to pay bills. And so I don't really enjoy it. It's not what I want to be doing. It just, it is what it is. And so what I see, and, and this is not just specific to Oak Hill, but, but especially young people, struggling with work is drudgery. Like it's a chore, or it's just a, an obligation I have to fulfill. And I want to tell you this morning, that's actually not a biblical mindset. It's not. And ultimately, that attitude, if that's the way you see your work, it's not going to lead to success in whatever your career is or whatever you're trying to do. And it's not, going to, uh, it's not going to help you fulfill God's purpose for you in the place that he has planted you. So that's sort of the overarching thing I see. But a whole bunch of the negative things have the potential to flow out of that. Number one, not respecting the authority that God has placed over you. Doesn't everybody feel like they can do their boss's job better than the boss? right? So if you're, if you see work as drudgery, you're, you're probably going to grumble and you're not going to be submitting in that relationship that God's called you to submit to. Um, Second thing is becoming a complainer, becoming one of those uh, office gossips or grumblers that sort of undermines the mission of, of the company you're working for in subtle ways. You may not even think about it, but you're undermining your boss or your company. Third thing is you're probably not going to be working as hard as you should be. Because if your heart's not in it, if you only see this as a chore, you don't see purpose in it, you're probably going to end up being only partially committed. You're not going to work your best. Number four, you're probably going to cut corners. We also call this stealing, by the way, cutting corners. That means arriving consistently late to your job and not really caring, doing personal things uh, during company time, whether that's you know on your phone, social media, surfing the web, whatever it is or not actually working a full day when you're being paid to work a full day. And this is, in this new marketplace where so many of us are working from home, this is a real challenge, this idea that I'm getting paid a full-time wage, but then I'm, I'm not actually working those hours. And then last, I would just say having an entitlement mentality. I've never heard this more than in this younger generation where where I hear folks say, I'm not fulfilled in my job. Well, welcome to the club, right? I mean, uh. People saying, I'm not going to be content or thankful until I find my dream job and I feel fulfilled all of the time. Guys, real life, that that the, unless you like play in the NBA, you know, they, it's probably not going to be your ultimate dream job. You've got to find content. You've got to find thankfulness in what God has given you. And yeah, sometimes work is just a grind. You just grind through it, but you can still find value and
0: purpose in it. Amen. Yeah. You know, Jeff, I love what you're emphasizing here in terms of Honoring God in the work that we do, uh, we know passages like 1 Corinthians ten thirty one and uh, Colossians 3 17, uh, 23, I think as well uh, that speak to doing everything for God's glory. And so even even if you're working a, a job that's like even in between maybe what you would desire to do, think especially about postgraduate work. You graduate, high, you graduate uh, you, with a bachelor's and you get your first job, and it's not great, and you're grinding, and it just is what it is. Amen. You know, praise God for that opportunity because the year before you were just in school and, and you weren't doing anything. Yeah, I know most of the students are gone. You're like, Adam, why are you talking to me? But a lot of you are in that range of the last, you know, three or four years of having graduated uh, and in that, in that dynamic. And then for those who are even later to have that same joy, whether they've been in that job for 20, 30 years and they don't love it, to still do it all for God's glory. It's good. Ken, did you have anything you wanted to add to that one?
2: Sure. Yeah, just kind of piggyba- piggybacking off of that one. Uh, really, it's just the motivation. What is your heart ultimately worshiping? And so kind of in a worldly word, we would say motivation. From a biblical word, we'd say, what are you worshiping? And so just like Adam said, Colossians, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And so if your motivation is my goal as I go into work today is to bring God glory, you're going to be so much more joyful, than just saying, I'm just trying to work for this, this guy who's imperfect. Work for the perfect creator of all things. Work unto him. Work and bring him glory. Your work is going to be so much better. You're going to have a better outlook, and you're going to feel more fulfilled within work.
0: That's good. Okay, specific question for you, Jeff. Okay. Do you remember a time when your thinking shifted from a worldly perspective about work to a biblical perspective about work?
1: Uh, yes, for sure. There's a couple of states. First of all, let me, just a quick resume for those of you who don't know me, or you think, oh, he's always had one of those easy jobs in ministry. Isn't there a book church planting is for wimps? Hashtag. Yeah. Irony. Um, so I've been working since I was 14 years old, which I did the math last night, 46 years of employment. Uh, now under my belt.
0: (laughs) I'm bad at math. Sorry.
1: So so get this, in my middle school and high school years, I umpired Little League games. I flipped fast food burgers. Uh, I worked in a machine shop. Uh, and then when I got to college, I you're going to love this one, I sold shoes uh, for JCPenney in a mall. Uh, and I also delivered men's or women's? Both. OK. <laughs> terrifying. The whole thing was terrifying. Uh, I also drove a truck and delivered bulk mail. Um, uh, So I've done a whole bunch of things. And after college, so very different after college, began to slowly build a career in the corporate world and climbing the corporate ladder and doing all of that stuff. And then 22 years ago, uh, transitioned into full-time ministry. So I I say that so that you know that I've seen a few things uh, over my years. And so I've been at the absolute ground floor. Uh, I mean, it doesn't get lower than selling shoes. Um, but I've also been at the top where I was on the board of directors and managing a division of a large company. So I've seen a lot of everything. So uh, I would say the first major shift I had in my perspective from worldly to biblical, uh, it came, and this is going to sound very basic, uh, but it's true, as I began to understand what God's word said about work. I mean, there's no replacement for that, for this understanding of here's the way I view life in the flesh, in the world, Uh Uh-oh, here's what God says I need to start. How do I reform my thinking? How do I start to to feel and think as I should, as God tells me? So it changed my mindset from this place where I I was building a career out of personal ego, uh, out of the desire to provide and to amass uh, wealth, and it began to shift that. Then the second thing, and again, this came with increased spiritual maturity, was the idea of seeing work as a mission field. And that was new to me. Uh, I began to realize, oh, wait, so God doesn't want me to bifurcate my life between sacred and secular, but I can go into my office and start looking for opportunities to have conversations about spiritual things with people that I, I know but probably need to know better, need to build relationship and look for chances to share the gospel. And to just—every day was a, an adventure of, okay, Lord, who are you going to put in my path? Who am I going to talk to today where I can, I can talk about spiritual things? And then the last one, and this one is also interesting. Um, as I grew in the corporate ladder and started leading other people, I started to understand more about workplace dynamics. And this is amazing. I started seeing how God's word actually had principles that made the workplace more joyful for everybody. I could be a more joyful boss, which means my employees would be more joyful. And and as a leader, I was able to sort of influence the corporate culture there. And, and I'm like, this is amazing. God's word is so practical. It actually leads to a more joyful
0: workplace. So that's a series of things. Yeah. God's word at the center of that. That's great. So Ken, another question then specifically for you, as you've worked with young men over the years, what has helped to show, to show younger men, particularly a theology, a proper theology
2: of work? So before answering that, I think the biggest question I get with young men is, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? right? If, if I jump back to like Zion's age and you ask me, what did you want to be when you grew up? This is legit. I wanted to be a fire truck. Not a firefighter, a fire a truck. truck. Sounded amazing, be red, put out fires. Whew. Coolest thing ever. It didn't happen. Uh, bummer. Yeah, Are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. But yeah, so just that question of purpose, right? The question of what am I supposed to be not everyone has that laid up. And even now, I'm like, I work at master's as a financial aid director. Years and years, you could ask me year after year, is that what you want to be? I'd be like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, and so it's funny how God will kind of take you on your path and you'll do different things, but really the principle and the theology is the exact same. So the, the principle is... Are you working heartily into the Lord? Are you bringing him glory with everything? And you can do a myriad of things. You can work blue collar. You could work white collar. You could work no collar. Uh, be freelance in that, in that sense. So helping guys really see what's the proper theology, you've got to be in God's word you got to be refreshed in God's word. you got to be in prayer. Um, but you need to remind yourself you're in it for a bigger purpose. The bigger purpose is to bring God glory in all things. And so I think that's a helpful motivation because you get so caught up on, I need to be a doctor. I need to be a lawyer. I need to be a certain thing. And that's not always the case. Sometimes that does happen, and it's like, that's amazing. You know, some people who are like, at 10 years old, I knew this is what I want to be, and i and I got to do it. But that's not everyone. And so don't get so focused on, I need to be this, but rather, how can I serve and and love the Lord?
0: Amen. Amen. That'll preach. So we want to turn the discussion now to think about how you guys have pursued a biblical work ethic and even to talk about some of the pitfalls that we all need to avoid when it comes to thinking about a biblical theology of work. So here's the question. As, as both of you have read the scriptures, as you've considered God's character and the themes of scripture, what has stood out to you about God's approach to work and then what our uh, response should be?
1: Well, yeah, of course it starts with God. And when you open the very first verse in the Bible, it says that God worked, right? In creating all things. And, and we know in the life of Jesus, he worked as a, with his hands as a carpenter. So we have this model, right? Uh, And it's interesting, in Genesis, it says that God actually took pleasure out of the outcome of his work when he said it was very good, everything that he had done in those six days. So he took pleasure in that. And then, of course, he creates us in his image, right? He puts Adam to work in the garden. Gardening people, right?
0: Uh, I know. There's a few of you
1: out there. Yeah, gardening people. And so that was his job. And there's a couple things that came with that. Number one was cultivating the garden. And what does it mean to cultivate? It means to Promote growth and flourishing and then to maintain it, which means you're working in order to not have something decline or to uh, to fail so that was all wrapped up in Adam's job description and it's so important to know the key of this is all of this happened before the fall before sin entered into the creation so god 's good plan is work. I know you all don 't want to hear that right you're like life would be so much easier if we didn't have to work that was part of god 's good plan work itself. Is good. And I think it's even possible to say that that tending the garden was designed by God for Adam to have a pleasant and rewarding experience. And so that's our model, right? Now, the fall fundamentally changes everything. Work is still good, by the way. It just became more difficult, right? It became more of a challenge, right? And now there's going to be thorns and thistles, right? The ground is cursed. It's going to be harder, right? It's going to be more difficult. How many of you guys feel that in your workplace? We all do right? But the results aren't always going to be what you want them to be either because there will be thorns and thistles. So that's the world we live in right now. So now how we approach our work in the light of the fall, it it matters. It's, It's everything in terms of your work, right? If we view work rightly, it gives us a sense of dignity and purpose. And here to me is the most important thing. It gives us a sense of a redemptive mission, a redemptive mission, so we're, we're kingdom building, even in a secular workplace, right? First and foremost, as God's children, uh, and his eye is always upon his children, we want to glorify him with the right heart. We've already talked about Colossians three twenty three to 25. Ken, you want to maybe quote that later, right? But working for the Lord, not for men. I cannot stress that enough. That is the Christian work ethic. We put forth the best effort we have from the heart because God is our true boss. And I know it's not always easy to remember that, but that's part of preparing your heart for each workday to know that God is your true boss. So that doesn't matter if you're washing dishes or whether you're the, the board of, you know, on the board of directors. That is the same principle, right? And each one of us is accountable to God for uh, stewarding the job that he's given us, stewarding our skills and our time and our energy in that job. Uh, Martin Luther in his day actually developed a theology of vocation. And here's what he said. Here's a quote. He's talked about how ordinary day-to-day work life is designed by God to be extraordinary. How many of us wake up in the morning with that mindset? This is going to be an extraordinary day because God is involved. He went on to say, one of the primary ways we tangibly love our neighbors is to do excellent, God-honoring work in our various vocations. So here's what that means. Christians, we should be the hardest workers in our workplace. We should have the most integrity, of everybody that we're working alongside. We should be the most thankful people for the job that we have. We should work without complaining. We should be fostering a spirit of unity and joy in the workplace. All of the principles we know about the church, they can apply into our workplace so that we're fostering a place where people flourish. And then what happens is when we become that person in the workplace, God uses that as part of our witness for people to say, why are you so different? What is, what is up with you? That's the point. So again, we go in with drudgery, and that's what comes off. People are like, he's just like everybody else. He's just like the world. So I've literally mentioned this to my wife. Sorry, I know I'm going on. I've mentioned this to my wife. If I get to a place here at Oak Hill where I'm just too old to preach, I'm too old to lead this church, I'm gonna go off and be a Walmart greeter. I will be the best Walmart greeter Walmart has ever seen. I will figure out ways to do it better. I will figure out ways to influence people more. And that's the mindset of a Christian. We don't just go up another day, right? We have purpose and we have mission. And those things bring challenge to the workplace and challenge brings enjoyment, right? Now, listen, as I say this, I know some of you guys are under your breath. You're like, you don't know where I work. It's part of the fall, right? We've got people, there's people in your work, they're backstabbers, you can't trust them, they're just nasty people. I get all that. This is where the redemptive act comes into play. Where you see people who are stuck in these patterns of sin and you're like, how can I be redemptive in this person's life, right? So rather than join with the world in the ugliness of a workplace, we do the opposite. We foster that unity and that joy in the workplace. And you, you might get mocked for it. Do you care? You're an ambassador for Christ. So it's okay, right? So how you deal with workplace conflict, how you respond to authority, how you, whether you grumble or whether you stay thankful, all of those things matter because the world watches as soon as you put yourself out there as a believer and God can use your witness. But, but all those little details make sense. All right, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm preaching. My bad. (laughs)
0: I mean, you knew you would get a mini sermon you know, with, with Jeff up here. But I love that you mentioned the response of the believer in their workplace. Uh, really, everything you described is the dynamic of us being salt and light, uh, of us being a city set on a hill, not a lamp under a basket. And that, that is our dynamic in the marketplace, in our workplaces, even in school. School can be a job at times uh, when, you're, when you're pursuing that. But I also really appreciated that you emphasized work beginning in creation at the beginning, from from the beginning of the story that's so critical to recognize that work is good. You go back to Genesis two, even, and and this is great for all of you as you're thinking about work and rest. Genesis two, verse two and following, talk about that exact dynamic of work and rest from God's perspective. So if you wanna know what God thinks about work and rest, go to Genesis two, and God's gonna teach you what work is. It's good, creation is good, putting your hands to work is good, and resting is also good. And God didn't rest because he needed to rest. He rested because it's a good model for us. That's the great encouragement. When you think about Sabbath. Sabbath isn't because God, oh, he's so tired from all of his work of creation. No, he, he is infinitely powerful. Why did he institute rest? As a model for us. So I'm teasing next week out. Sorry, elders, that you guys are going to be up here uh, at that time. But Ken,
2: anything you want to add to that one? Yeah, just an encouragement to work hard. And really, we see this played out. Jeff mentioned it. In Colossians 3, but also uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 10. And we have this model of Paul. Paul is a guy who's like, hey, I'm going to preach, but I'm not going to be a burden. And so 7 through 10 really talks about him as an example saying, imitate me. I'm going to work hard. Uh, hey, church in Thessalonica, you don't need to like give me food. Or if you do give me food, I'm going to pay for it. I'm not going to be a burden whatsoever. I'm going to work hard unto the Lord. And so that there's no excuse. The words that I'm saying, that what we're preaching, it's, it's because I love you, because I care about you, because I'm on a mission. And so the encouragement that we can get from Paul is work hard. And, and even the, the statement of if, if you don't work, you don't eat. I think a lot of times, like you said, we're, we're entitled. We're like but I live here, so if I, if I want to eat, I, you should just feed me. Uh, but it's how can we, we work hard? College students, this is not a dig, but an encouragement. You go to the hubs, you get a free meal. How could you then love the hubs later, you know? So it's like, are you guys jumping on saying, hey, can we help wash dishes? Can we, can we bless you guys in different ways? Work looks a hold it doesn't just mean a paycheck. It could be a number of different ways, but we are looking at how can we love other people? How can we uh, put ourselves second and look it to our neighbor as first? And so it could be on a paycheck side and helping monetarily, but it could also be just using your time because sometimes college students are like, I have no money, but I have time. And so you use your time to love other people well. That's good. Okay, so
0: another question here. As a believer ages, mm it happens. People get older, right? As, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, for the guy who wanted to be a fire truck. Okay. As, as a believer ages, how should they navigate different seasons, so different seasons of life, but also different abilities? Because abilities change too over time. How do they navigate those things uh, in approaching work?
1: It's true. Uh, I didn't want to be a fire truck. I want to be a paleontologist. That's, I used to impress my, yeah, impress my, uh, my parents, friends. Is anyone shocked by talking about dinosaur bones? Yeah. Yeah. I know.
0: Anyway, maps and timelines. I mean,
1: (laughs) Indiana Jones. So, okay. No matter what age you are, whether you're, you're starting out in your twenties or you're like me, you're, you're entering into, you know, your final season of, of work life, right? Um, it's important to remember that be consistent in your principles, because here's the thing, your circumstances change, your, your age changes, yes.
0: Your skills develop and sometimes drop off. You can't jump vertically straight up on I, the stage anymore. Uh, no. We talked about that this morning. Oh, no, it's true. It's Used true. to, though, be able to do that. So
1: all those things change. But guess what? God's Word doesn't change. The principles in God's Word don't change. And you, no matter what age you are, your heart towards the Word doesn't change. Your heart towards God doesn't change. Your heart towards others shouldn't change. In fact, I would say the older you get, the more committed you should be to living out biblical principles. And I see too many guys my age talking about checking out right now. Uh, I've got too many peers right now who are like, I'm off to Idaho. I'll, I'm just gone. I, 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 and, and it's, again, the entitlement. I have earned the right to go do nothing. Or I've earned the right to go do what I want to do. I don't see that in Scripture, you guys. I know that's the American dream, but I do not see that in scripture. So to me, as you get older, as time is getting shorter for your time on the earth, you should be accelerating in with urgency the, the things of the kingdom. That, that's the way I see it. So my advice as you get older, take more responsibility, whether that's in the workplace or in the church, to foster maturity and growth in younger people. This is this period of your life as an older person where you should be mentoring, you should be discipling, you should be speaking wisdom into the lives of others. And by the way, this is not just your successes, but your failures, right? You know, all the pitfalls that you've seen in your life that don't waste all the experiences and wisdom that God has given you in your years. Go out and share that, mentor, disciple, and start to prepare the generation that's going to replace you when you pass
2: from this life. And that's good. Anything to add, Ken? So, old guy. Ugh. Uh, yeah, just taking it more perspective of, I think a lot of our church are in their 20s. And so I'm like, just passed that marker in the, in the thirties. And so looking back, use your youth well, use that time and have that energy pour, pour into work, but then also start looking around, looking at your peers and saying, how can I pour into one another? How can I invest in one another? Iron sharpening iron, um, but just, yeah, just encourage you, use your youth for youthful things. And then as time is progressing, you'll, you'll realize like, oh, I, me and Gabe have joked, uh, once you're 25, the last bone in your body fuses, and so you're no longer growing, you're dying. And so I remember <laughs> I joke with him, he turned 25, and, and he's like, like a week later, he's like, oh, I feel it in my back. <laughs> I'm like I know, I'm telling you, but it just it's funny. So use your youth for youth and and invest, work hard. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Okay, so
0: we might have one or two more questions here. Uh, What pitfalls, what wrong thinking should believers be aware of when it comes to work, and what should we do as believers to avoid thinking unbiblically about work? Well,
1: uh, we should be aware of all of the warnings we have in Scripture about laziness and about not working hard. And we've touched on some of them already this morning. Proverbs, the Israel's book of wisdom, gives so many uh, uh, exhortations about being, about working hard, right? About not being lazy. In fact, and when you come to the New Testament, 1 Timothy 5 eight, we haven't talked about that verse yet. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That, that should cause everybody to pause and say, wow, God feels strongly about work and about providing. But again, I would come back to where I started. This big mistake of not seeing purpose and value in your work, viewing it as a chore or as drudgery. Here's something I've noticed about, and I know I'm sounding old here, but, but this generation behind me is we just, we, you guys love your leisure and you feel entitled to it. I didn't grow up with that. This idea that, no, I I ought to have, I ought to be able to work three days or four days a week maximum because I need to hike and I need to to get on my, do my social media. I mean, leisure is wonderful. We'll talk about it next week. Rest is great, but life is not, that's not what life's about. To To be real with you, it's not. And here's the thing about work. Work tests you and it challenges you. God is at work in your work to refine you, and to sanctify you. Guess what? You might even suffer when you go to work. Oh, I got to get up at 6 a.m. to go to work? Okay, well, what, God, what might God teach you in that, right? Because this is what God does. He uses all your experiences, and especially the hard ones. Where, like, I have a tough workplace right now. Okay, the Lord's testing you. He's challenging you. Will you trust him? He will produce more spiritual fruit in that place than in an easy place where you're just hiking with friends. Right? Things like patience and perseverance and endurance and, and the need to trust him more. So, so don't, don't brush off those hard experiences. Don't brush off work because it's difficult. Don't just pine away for leisure and rest.
2: God has so much more to show you. Amen. Amen. That's really good. Ken? Yeah, I think I just have to echo the same thing. Uh, and again, that's my generation. And yes, I love leisure. I love that. But you have to fight against it. Not much of a hiker, though. Not much of a hiker. (laughs) We got other hikers. That's way too much work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. But within our generation, yeah, that's something you do have to fight against. So if you know like, hey, this is culturally normal around me, I want to be countercultural. I want to be biblical and not cultural. And so you look at that and you have to challenge yourself. And then, again, we've, we've said this before, but... How do you renew your thinking in that? By being in God's word. Because if you're just in the culture, you're seeing what social media portrays as one thing, you're around your peers, everything is telling you to do one thing, we're not gonna know what is counter to that and what's biblical unless we're in God's word. So we have to be rooted in that and plugged into a community like a local church that is also encouraging those same things. That's what's gonna help us get out from that and be instead of just the woe is me, life is hard. It's good. Okay. Bonus question here. And this is the last one.
0: And you guys haven't prepared for this one. So nice. we'll see about the mini sermon here. Yeah, buckle up. Okay. Last question here. We want to think about why this, this topic is so important for the next generation. You've touched on it. Both of you touched on the next generation, but really, how can a proper theology of work impact that next generation that we're raising up? Whether it's the little ones that were right up in front here earlier today, or the kids in our homes, or the youth group, or even the college students, how can a proper theology of work impact the next generation of believers?
1: Well, I mean, I think, I think it's something that we have to just continually talk about, teach, whether that's in the church, it's in the home. It's, it's the type of thing that should just be on the tip of our tongue right? In the forefront of our minds as well. It's, it's a, to be honest with you, this is a subject that often gets ignored and pushed aside. So I, I love the fact our elder team, we talked about what, what would be good for our church family at this moment. And to bring that up is, is I think, really, really important. So this is something that we ought not uh, ignore and something that we need to continue to talk about. And all these little ones that are in here today, we can start young, We can start to talk to them about what it is. This is a big one for parents. You ready? How to teach your kids to do difficult things. Oh, no, we want to make life so perfect for them and and, and take all the obstacles out of the way and make it all. No. No, help them to see it now. Right? If you have older kids, you've got, you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers. They're going through hard things. Parents, are you teaching them through that? Are you showing them the value of even the difficult thing? I mean, there's so much of I mean, generational teaching on this subject is, I think, really important.
2: Yeah, I'd say echoing that I had that modeled, I think, well, and parents looking at your own life, you have little ones looking up to you. And so saying, how can I model it? Well, how can I be that example in word and also in deed? And so looking for different opportunities to say, I want to work hard. And just as Paul was saying, like, imitate me as I imitate Christ, imitate me as I'm working hard and not putting a financial burden on these local churches, be that imitation. Whatever we do, we, will. we want to be like Christ. And to, to be an example, we're going to fall short. Yes. But that is what we're striving for. We're not striving to try to be like the world, but rather we're trying to strive to be like Christ. And so if we're doing that, that's gonna help build up that next generation to work heartily, because I think our culture is gonna continue to shift far away from that desire to work and to say, no, I'd rather just take a government paycheck and not do anything because that's, that's comfortable. I can still get paid if I don't do anything, and so Christians, can we be counterculture to that and say, no, even as the generations progress, we're still going to work hard unto the Lord and be salt and light to the world. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I uh, really appreciate the time
0: this morning. Uh, friends, we really just wanted to underscore the importance of thinking biblically about work, how we respond to, to the idea of work. That evidences our faith in Christ. It is either a proper evidence of trusting him, obeying him in all things, and modeling his obedience. Christ worked. He worked. And then he also did purposeful rest. You'll talk about that next week. But he worked hard, and it was a testimony to an unbelieving world. He obeyed all that his father commanded him to do, and the greatest work that he did was on the cross. And scripture speaks to that being work, the work that he worked in salvation. And so we should respond to the work that Christ has done, not finding our value in the work that we do and in ourselves, not finding our sense of identity in the work that we do, but seeing how the work that we do can always give glory to God in Christ, no matter what we do. And so guys, thankful for you tonight, today, almost said tonight, today, uh, we're, we appreciate talking about this church fam. As you look to the summer season and you think about even potential rest, if you're looking at vacation, we pray this is also a good counterbalance to think properly about biblical work. So as you think about rest, you also hold the tension of biblical work, that life is not rest. You're not gonna, eternity is not sitting on a throne being fed grapes by God, right? Eternity is going to be working heartily unto his name without the curse, without the difficulty of thorns and thistles. We'll all have a job, we'll all get to work heartily unto his name, and the earth will produce. We look forward to that. So with that in mind, let's pray uh, and let's close out our time together here Father, we thank you for your example of work from the beginning. Thank you for the example of work from the opening pages of scripture. We thank you that in your perfect design, everything was created with purpose. Everything was intended to work and everything was intended to work and for your glory. We acknowledge the difficulty of work this side of glory. We recognize things don't work as they ought to. We can have difficult bosses, we can have difficult work situations, we can have dynamics of our work that we don't like, that we don't prefer, and we can be struggling with our own laziness or our apathy. But Father, we pray, give us strength, give us perseverance, and give us a biblical mind. May we affirm the words of scripture to endure in the work that you provided to us and ultimately to find joy in our work to see our work as an opportunity to serve you, to love others, and to care for them. We thank you that the greatest work was accomplished on the cross, something none of us can boast in, the work of Christ. So we boast in Christ, not in ourselves. Help us to find comfort in the one who worked the greatest, who did the most by sacrificing himself on our behalf and help us to live like him, sacrificially and purposefully. We pray this in his name, amen.